He scopes out the present, shakes out the past, and keeps an eye out on the future. This is the Racing with Bruno podcast. Now, from Churchill Downs, here's Bruno DiGiulio. Hey, everybody. It's Derby Week, and it's Derby Weekend coming up. And uh, this wetness is going to go away, and we're going to get sunshine for the next two days. going to be fast and hopefully good to firm. Uh, and uh, let me bring in, speaking of good, let me bring in Ron Flatter. Hey, Ronnie, um, welcome to Kentucky again. <laughs> I know you've been at the track. Um, who's going to get the lead? That's what I get. Ooh, you know, I just wrote a piece for VSIN, and I said, I took the words right out of your mouth. And that is anybody who knows who's going to have the lead is either God or lying. Because we don't know. I mean, there there's probably four candidates. Could it be Medina Spirit? Could it be Highly Motivated? Could it be Midnight Bourbon? Could it be Rock Your World? I don't know. Does anybody really know, Bruno? I know. But handicappers are obsessed with who gets the lead. And, you know, some people have thought Medina Spirit... Uh, and I know, and I know why. But probably Bob wants to going to put Medina Spirit on the lead because he thinks that uh, Medina Spirit won't not let anybody buy, right? Because uh, he thinks he's a little bit like Silver Charm. Um, that'll be interesting. Uh, I'm not a fan of Medina Spirit. I, I think he was. Uh, he's, he's a slow horse. He's a good horse. He's, he tries, but uh, I, you know, he won uh, a race that a couple of horses hung all the way down the lane, including Hot Rod Charlie. So um, I, I think I think there's going to be the guys that are going to think they're smart and send. Um, and I think the Yogi Bear, uh, you know, nobody will go to the lead could be too crowded out there. Doesn't doesn't hold water. <laughs> hey, speaking of hold water. So we woke up today, saw the rain from overnight. And if you went to bed last night, you might have seen it even before that. So there was a big downpour in the afternoon and then a steady shower since. And then it's been some sprinkles and we know the track's going to dry out. It's going to be a fast track Friday. It's going to be a fast track Saturday. And as we're reading over your works for, of course, the Oaks card already out, and you're working on the Derby card and just about having it out. Maybe by the time you hear this, it will already be in your hot little hands. But as you do that and you wake up and see weather, uh, how do you adjust to that, Bruno? How do you adjust to it both as the guy who's putting these together and as if I was a reader, how would I adjust to it reading your sheets? Um, from left to right <laughs> and then scroll down mm-hmm. and, you know, um, it's pretty straightforward, um, you know, and, and you, you try to take in all the information. There's a lot of information in the workouts. There's a lot of, uh, copy information. We tell you about pace, the fastest horses in the race. We throw, I throw in my, uh, two cents of my, uh, uh, understanding of the race and understanding of the horse. And if you read and look at the taglines, then you can tell when I like the horse. You can really tell. Mm-hmm. Mattress Mac, going to drop $2 million on essential quality. That's going to move the number, isn't it? Um, what's the average uh, on, a, on a yearly, uh, on, a, on, on the, on the win, uh, win place and show pool? Well, he would be 3%. So it's, uh, he would be 3% of the whole pool with a $2 million bet. How much does that affect it? 
That's what I well, you know everybody's betting against them anyway. You know, the Yogi Berra thing. Nobody's going to bet them because they, they, everybody thinks the price would be too low. Right, yeah. But what if you think the horse is going to win? What's that? If you think essential quality is going to win, that's the value play, right? The value is the winner. Well, well, yeah, but everybody, but there seems to be a lot of players that believe that value is betting something that isn't going to win, but you look good because you bet a 25 to 1 shot. I've been guilty of that. Although I think I, I always I do it when I think they're going to win, though I don't do it just to do it. Not people minute. do it because they want to bet value. Mm-hmm. Value for them is a big price because they're hoping and praying that for some whatever reason, a stroke of luck or, or lightning, you know, uh, will 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 strike that or is that horse or win. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. You've been writing a bit this week about gallop outs. I'd like you to expand yeah. on that a little bit about the overrating of gallop outs. Now this is where the real show starts. Um, <laughs> I, I think there's been a gallop out mania at Derby 147. Um, horses are being judged by their gallop outs, but not, uh, you see, I got an agreement. Um, you know, I feel like I'm on that game show. Uh, but um, Hollywood Squares. Yes. Agree or disagree. Um, yeah. Um, and um, I, I think there's been this 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 unbelievable uh, um, mentality that you have to see a gallop out, that a horse has to gallop out. Every single one of them has to gallop out, and they have to do it in the way that the, the person that is viewing it believes it should be done. There is no in, there is absolutely no individuality at all at all being given to these horses. There's no individuality on trainers, on how they train. Um, there's been, uh, horses are being um, uh, painted with a white brush. You know, if he doesn't have a gallop out, essential quality, well, he doesn't have a gallop out. Well, Brad Cox sat down and told you, he told the rider not to do too much with him after the wire. He's fit, he doesn't need a whole lot. Just let him do, you know, but it, 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 people get into this mentality of these angles, the way they look at trainers, that they think trainers do all the same thing with the horses every single time with every single horse. And that's not reality. You're not dealing in reality. If you're crazy, uh, cra- craving these gallop outs for every single horse, you are not dealing in reality. You're dealing in your own fantasy world of how you want to see that horse train so you can like him or not like him. I mean, they're giving them the, the, the le corne. In Italian, we say le corne, which is like a, a, a you know, like if, if somebody does something you don't like, you know, you do the, you know, you do the fingers, like, uh, you know, like the infielder doing the two outs, right? Right. Um, oh, you yeah. know, you're doing like, the hook em you horns. Know, the horns. Hook em horns, yeah. yeah. Hook em horns, <laughs> right. You know, and you're, in, in, in Italian, you're telling that guy, you know what, screw you, you know, by putting those, those out. And that's what these guys are, these guys that gals are doing. With these, with these gallop outs, they're putting the kibosh on these horses in their mentality because they didn't do what they wanted them to do. It's stupidity. It's, it's, it's really being completely closed-minded and not understanding one thing the trainer's trying to do with them. And anybody that's out there listening to them, shame on you because you are just not, uh, uh, you are not looking at what these people are doing as a complete misinformation and a complete farce of, of how trainers train horses. 
And speaking of how trainers train horses, how about how trainers speak about horses? You've said seal out the noise, ignore the noise, shut out the noise. Do you count among the noise what trainers say to interviewers like me? Um, you know, I look for specific things, you know, like I could care less about the goat. You know? <laughs> Mr. Man, yeah, you don't care about him. Yeah, I mean, not about that. I mean, I don't mind that, but I, I don't care about the goat. You know, I don't care about the trainer speak. Oh, everything we wanted or it's this. You know, I don't care about that. I want to hear a detail about something that I didn't catch. You know, like, for example, a trainer would say, yeah, we had, you know, we had a foot problem with him and we got him over it. And once we got him over it, I could do. Then that answers to that. That answers my question. Of why weren't you doing much with this horse earlier? Hmm. So, like, for example, if you've got a horse like Essential Quality, Brad had to really work that horse hard at fairgrounds to get him ready to go to the bluegrass. He really had to lay into him and, and let him do more on the gallop house. Why? Because he had to get him fit. But now that he's got him fit and he's got him right, he doesn't have to go into those gallop outs strong. Now, let's look at Mandaloon. Mandaloon didn't run well at all. After being trained hard to go into the fairgrounds, he didn't run at all. He, he, he basically packed it in. He could have been over the top. So now he's got to, you know, he's got to, you know, he's got to figure out, okay, what do I do? Do I back off completely on him or do I step on, on the foot on the pedal and, and, and get him to do what I want him to do? So he works 58 and 4 and 12 and change with Bonnie South. Bonnie South was better. Bonnie South, it goes win. Brad brings him back again because I got to get this guy, you know, shit and cobwebs out. I'm going to work him hard again, but I'm going to put him with a softer mate where he's going to get the confidence. So he puts him with a softer mate, works him again. You know, and Mandaloon didn't finish. That, that he, he was really ears pinned. He wasn't real happy. Then he brings back him the third time, and he's going to put him with Joe Frazier. But he's going to get Joe Frazier in front, and that work got a little screwed up. But Mandaloon fell back. He, went, he started five behind. He ended up ten behind. And then all of a sudden, Joe Frazier is looking over his shoulder like, any day, Flo. You know, <laughs> and here comes Flo, comes alongside. And Joe Frazier kicks in again. And people go, well, y'all, look, he caught Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier was waiting and sitting there going, you know, come on, you know, let's get that thriller in Manila going. You know, and he, and he gets alongside and they both go out through the turn and Joe Frazier is actually coming back on him. So after that work, Mandaloon is running off in his gallops, really high energy. That's a horse over the top. You know, and these these jokers are out on the air going, oh, this horse is training great. No, he's not. He is over the top. Hmm. So with anybody watching that, they're going to be looking at him getting all the misinformation. I want to hear from the trainer on a couple of little tidbits. Like, for example, if, if anything that Brad would have brought up about Mandaloon, he hasn't said anything because he's just trying to keep the horse, you know, going well enough to run him in the derby. So he's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because he can't put a finger on it. What's up? Maybe, just maybe, his mind is blown. Maybe. Mm. Not Brad, the horse. <laughs> right, you right. Know? Yeah. You know, the horse's mind is blown. You blew his mind. And that happens. You know, now you've got to start back over all over again. Give him time, get him to relax. But that happens. You don't get those conversations, you know, during, during derby week. To everybody, I remember when Mohamed was running around, they were acting like Jackrabbit. And people loved it. Oh, he's ready to run. Ooh, you know. Heck, are you kidding me? Are you that 
you're that much of a novice that you can't tell a horse is being an absolute jackass in the morning, not wanting to rate, not wanting to stop, not wanting to do things. You 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 equate that to feeling good and and, and being ready to run. Uh, you're in the wrong game. Mm. You're flat out in the wrong game. But we'll take your money when you go bet at the <laughs> right. Right. It's a very mutual game. Yeah. Can look back on some past Kentucky Derby runnings, Bruno, and and tell me where you might have had an idea about something that was contrary to the general opinion, where you could say, I told you so, where... Animal Kingdom. Go for uh, it. Smarty Jones, Poop Peg. Um, um, Orb was kind of, you know, everybody liked that. I'll, I'll tell you what horse I loved was Wilton Charge. And if it wasn't for Verrazano and Johnny Velasquez drifting out in the middle of the stretch and taking... And, and, and taking Will Take Charge out. He was rallying right up inside of Orb. If they would have switched places, Will Take Charge would have won the Derby and Orb would have finished up the track. Mm. But Verrazano completely took me out. Uh, commanding Curve. I walked up to Terry Finley uh, at West Point uh, after the draw, and I said, you're going to win the Derby with Commanding Curve. Well, he finished second to California Chrome, uh, who was a standout that year, and he, and he showed it. But Commanding Curve, I felt about as strong as I could ever feel. And there's been some derbies I've gone in and absolutely had no idea. I, I was just trying to trying to come up with something that, that was that was worth the play. Brother Derek in two thousand six. Um, I thought it would have better ride, you know, he might have been closer to Barbara, he may not have been able to beat Barbara, but he might have been second. Um, and there was indecision from Alex Elise out of the gate, out of the twenty uh, twenty hole, uh, of going to the lead, not going to the lead, and um, and he um, he basically, you know, futzed around for the first eighth of a mile trying to figure out what he was going to do. And by the time he, he actually got um, the decision to make, he got caught wide. So, um, you know, little things like that. Um, and one of my one of the ones that I that I really kicked myself was uh, the Baffert uh, War Emblem. Uh, Bob and I were going back and forth on text the entire time. And he wrote me, and I said, "What about your horse? He's got a lot of speed." And he goes, "Bruno, don't you know? Don't don't underestimate my horse. He's doing fantastic." And I didn't follow up on that. I didn't follow up on that, and he ended up winning. Um, so um, Bob didn't lie to me. Uh, you know, he didn't. He, he usually tells me straight up. So just little things like that. You know, over the years, um, name me some of the horses that uh, name me some of the derbies, and I'll tell you right off the top of my head. Just go ahead and fire them off, and I'll tell you exactly off the top of my head what, what my thoughts were. Well, let's go with just the last few years. Let's start with 2015 and American Pharaoh. I like Dortmund going in there. American Pharaoh was awesome. But Dortmund, I had had something to do with him being in Bob's barn, and I loved him. I did not know when, you know, when he came off, when he showed up the first day on the track, he was, he was, he was a, he was a a shadow of, of, of what, what do I what I knew about the horse and, and and how well I knew that horse. He had lost probably two three hundred pounds. He was real light, and I couldn't figure out why he was light until I found out the day the night before the Derby that uh, he had a colic and uh, he ran a courageous third. But uh, American Pharaoh, I didn't did not think that American Pharaoh's Derby was all that great. It he was life and death to get past. Oh yeah, on. yeah, that was the weakest, easily you the know? weakest of the three. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a weak that was a weak crop that year, you know. 
So go ahead. Yeah, by the as somebody once told me, because I thought it was a weak crop as well, I said, well, how many horses does it take to make a good crop? And the guy says, well, one. <laughs> so if you grade yeah. 2015, you're grading it on American Pharaoh. Following year, 2016, Nyquist. Oh, he was phenomenal. You know, if people do not understand and no, do not give Nyquist the the credit he deserves. He went through a two-year-old in training cell. That means in March, early March of his of 2015. Um, that means he was breezing in December of 2014 as a yearling, because for him to be ready for the uh, uh, the Facey Tipton March sale in Florida. He would have had started in November galloping so he could breeze his 14s or 15s in December to be ready to, to be to, to, to do the 10 flat that he did in the early week of March at Florida uh, facing Tipton at Gulfstream. So you don't realize, and he, you know, he was a two-year-old champion, and he was undefeated all the way through May, and it was no surprise to me that he fell apart in June and July because that's, that would have been a year and a half straight of that horse being in training. Hmm. 2017, a nine to two favorite won the Derby. Always dreaming for Todd Pletcher. That track that day, the the, the heavens opened up. He had been running off in the morning. He had uh, they added uh, they added draw reins, which I did not think was positive. Um, and that day, that track was speed on the inside, and he just took that conveyor belt. Now I will tell you, I bred the Always Dreaming. And I'm hoping to get some really, he was a really athletic, quick, uh, lighter made colt that, that didn't have a whole lot of substance to him, but he had a lot of athletic ability. And that was, once he started getting injuries and, and, and issues popping up, it took that athleticism out of him. And that's why we never saw him follow up to, to what he was. And I remember going into Preakness, Fletcher made a comment how quiet he was going into Preakness, and I went, uh-oh, and I think we put cloud computing on top. Yeah, that, that you know something? I had that, I had him that day for Chad Brown, and uh, so good. We were we were on the same page there, back at the windows to cash. 2018, of course, the year, or the half year, if you will, of Justify. Justify was pretty awesome. Um, and I, he just was coming in. I mean, he was unbelievable looking horse. Oh. And you watch. And I yes. didn't believe. I didn't believe in him at first because I did not think. I did not think that Bob could get him to the to the to the Derby. You know, basically off three starts. But I became a believer when I started seeing him doing the things that he was doing in the morning because his weight didn't change, his color didn't change, his meaner didn't change, his. He just got better, and, and that was one of the things. I was expecting him to start losing weight. When horses start losing weight and start looking like greyhounds, that's when you, you jump off. Hmm. He never did that. What a beautiful horse he was. Still the most beautiful horse I've ever seen. You know, he was bought for 500000 out of the Keeneland sale. He would have been a million, but he had a little problem. So what happened, um, Rudolph uh, Brissett, Rudolph Brissett had him at Keeneland in October and November, I saw him train for Adolph Bissett in November before he went to the east to the to the west coast to Baffert, and um, and and that's where Baffert sent him to La Salle. He had him working at La yep. Salle, you know, you know, and then you know eventually Mike Marlowe said, "Hey, you better get this horse over here. He's actually pretty good," mm. you know. And so when Bob got him and then he debuted, oh, there's another agreement and and a second one too. That's great. Um, 
so um, with Mike Marlowe, you know, I feel like I did something right when I get that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when my when, when he sent them over, so when when Justify debuted, he wasn't even three quarters fit for what Bob Bob Baffert's program, and that's why he was able to get him going because of the the job that Mike Marlowe did at Los Al to get him ready without putting him over the top. Twenty nineteen was, of course, the asterisk year. Maximum security crossed first, but twenty two minutes loved later, him too. you know, I <laughs> yeah. loved him. I loved and, him. I mean. Country House, yeah, of course, I, wins sixty-five to one. But maximum security. Yeah, I loved them. I, I, I loved them in the Florida Derby, and I loved them in the Derby. Next, <laughs> simple. Okay, onward we go. Litigation pending, and of course, this last year, last September, with Authentic. You know, uh, when when Barkley Tag took Tis the Law and 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 wanted them to stalk, Authentic gave the race right to Authentic because Authentic wanted to be chased. And he, his heart grew 10 times bigger when he was chased. As Skydiver showed, when Skydiver put her head in front, authentic thing to go by. Mm. So, you know, it would have been a smart play to say to Manny Franco, go for the lead and let him chase you. But a lot of guys don't want to do that. They want to sit behind, stalk, and pounce. Instead, to me, that's more important to be on the lead and having people chase you because most a lot of these horses they want to be chased why because in yearlings if you're a pack leader you get chased out in the field and that means you're pack leader so you actually have this aura about you and your courage about you because you're a pack leader authentic must have been a pack leader because when he got in front you didn't beat him And so that brings us to 2021, and that brings us to something I know you wanted to bring up, and that's a price point that if you're coming into the weekend and want to get involved, you wanted to bring this up as far as the works for Friday and Saturday, Bruno. Yeah, um, if you go onto the site tonight, uh, on, on, to, on this Thursday night, you can be able to, um, to get our, 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 our um, Oaks and Derby. Um, and uh, with that, with the special pricing, you also get the replay of our Zoom so you can watch them at Oh, home. excellent. Excellent. You know something? I'm going to need yeah. to do that because I've had, I had a dinner last night. Ran into Baffert at dinner last night. Saw Chad Brown. I, I don't know. Where was the trainer's dinner? Maybe it was, it was the trainer's dinner at Jeff Ruby's? Yes, I oh. think so, yeah. Well, that would explain why they were there. Wouldn't explain why I was there, but I was there. And uh, then, of course, you know, I got a, I've got a thing tonight, and, and so it's been a busy week. It's like getting right back into Derby Week, and I know you're probably doing something far more productive, like sleeping and getting ready for works in the morning, and things like that. So you're an actual working stiff while I'm just trying to hobnob. So it's going to be good to see that we can still catch up on the Zooms if we weren't able to catch them on the nights involved. So I will be, I will definitely be doing that. And uh, so, once again, it's, it's at uh, racingwithbruno.com, right? Yeah, uh, everything is at racingwithbruno.com. And um, um, tonight we got a big Zoom. And I know, are you going to be able to join us? I hope you do. No, and, I would like uh, to. I, no, it's, this is my, the last of the functions. And then, I, then I'm just, you know, chasing races the next couple of days. Well, well, have fun tonight. It's Derby weekend. And let's go enjoy it. Get more from Bruno by going to RacingWithBruno.com. This has been the Racing with Bruno podcast.